History in musicals. <laughs> that was my best musical voice. It was very good. Thank you. <laughs> in case you could not tell by that musical interlude, we have a very special episode this week for you. And um, what's it about, Robin? Can you tell us again? <laughs> Uh, I can tell you, but I can't sing it. <laughs> that was a one-off. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be replicated. That's just raw talent right there. Just like stuff on the stage. It's Yeah, exactly, right? If that's what, that's the appeal. Is it not the appeal of the theater? Mm. That, <laughs> that every day is different? Mm. Every mm. performance is unique? Welcome to Notice History, the podcast where we uncover the history all around us. As always, we're your hosts, Robin Mullins, Keely McCabot, and Nick Bridges. And this week, we have a very special podcast topic that a lot of our researchers here were extremely excited to be a part of, um, musicals, the history of musicals. History is all around us, and it is also present in musicals. Robin is rolling her eyes at me, but I think that was a beautiful intro. Apparently, people love them. Apparently. What is your favorite musical, Robin? Definitely Mean Girls. Right. It's a great movie, but I really enjoyed the the musical. I went to see it last year when I was in New York City, and um, Tina Fey was actually involved, as was her husband, and they did a fantastic job adapting it for Broadway, and I think it's it's nice because it also, they gave it a bit more depth so that it now, while also being hilarious and having really good and catchy songs, it also has some important lessons for, like, young people who are in high school right now and like how to make good decisions and wise decisions in the digital age and you know what what about you guys uh i i think i gotta put my money on the sound of music noise uh music's right in the name it's great (laughs) music's in the name my mom plays it every christmas I like, do you hear the people saying from Les Mis, but I also like that Gerard Butler was in Phantom of the Opera, the movie Ooh. version of the thing. The, I have never, I've read Phantom of the Opera. Have mm. I seen it? Mm. Never. Is, doesn't it go something like, the Phantom of the Opera is And there's the piano, right? It's the best. I did, however, once see the Care Bears rendition of the Phantom of the Opera. And it was great. I think that counts. That sounds. This sounds exceptional. Yeah. <laughs> it, I think it was Grumpy Bear who was the Phantom. It was wonderful. I highly recommend it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Fair enough. <laughs> Everyone's got homework tonight. Every day's a school day. <laughs> You're always learning. You're always growing. <laughs> but uh, I don't know that. Well, I mean, Nick's decision to use sound of music excluded. Keely, you and I don't exactly love. History-centered musicals, not so much. Well, and it's not... I guess it's just I haven't been exposed to as many as I could be. So I don't want to, like, flat out be like, no, I don't like them. Because I don't think that's, like... I've had a fair uh, study size, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. Eh, but I just... Eh. Ball my eyes out when I saw all I miss. Bawled my eyes out. I saw, I cried? Like the, oh, yeah. In public? In public. <laughs> in the dark. Just <laughs> sobbing. But, it's very embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, Les Mis, you know, it's a period piece. However, mm-hmm. it definitely depicts historical time frames, mm-hmm. right? So there is definitely a historical aspect to it. Um, and same with Phantom of the Opera. Like, mm-hmm. it was written in a certain time period, and then it's been adapted. Um, so there is 
history all around us. Even Mean Girls is based on, you know, a movie that is now, I don't know, 15? Don't tell 20, me that. 20 years old? Mm. Too old. Don't tell me that. Yeah, I know. It's Yes. It's a time capsule of the early 2000s. Lest we forget. <clears throat> this week we're looking to discuss how different musicals explore history through various themes. Many of the musicals that we're going to talk about are actually going to fit into a couple of the categories we're discussing, but we've tried to divide them up to make it a little bit easier to discuss. And while it's important to note that none of these musicals are specifically and solely about history, um, they are important ways of discussing and exploring the cultural commentary relevant to today. As we discussed on our previous episode about Downton Abbey, History presented through entertainment can allow us to develop personal relationships with the past, historical figures, and different themes. And with that in mind, our first category is time frame and period musicals. This theme is going to explore musicals that are set in a historical period, but the plots are not necessarily based on or around a specific event. So, uh, Nick, do you want to take the liberty of letting us know what the first one is? It is. Oklahoma! Ooh, hockey! (laughs) (laughs) So Oklahoma was a 1943 musical, and uh, later a 1955 film, about a farm girl and her suitors, and was set in 1906 in the Indian Territory, as Oklahoma was known before it joined the Union in 1907. While uh, a musical based on the play Green Grow the Lilacs by Lynn Riggs is basically about a love triangle. It is set against the backdrop of the settler pioneer way of life, including elements such as square dances at social gatherings and surreys. The doorless carriage is common at the time. You have an image in your mind. That's what it's going for. However, the musical is very typical of Roger and Hammerstein in that the musical is seen through rose-colored glasses. There is no indication of the hardships the settlers would have faced. The time frame is used more for its nostalgia, for the sense of simpler times. There's no, there's no dysentery in the musical. I think is what we're getting at. That is not it. There's no big musical number about dysentery. (laughs) (laughs) Missed opportunity. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Another musical that follows this theme is Hair, which is from 1967. It's not strictly speaking a historical musical since it was portraying its own time period, which was the late 60s, but it is packed with so much culture from that time period. Hippies, draft dodging, drug culture, and of course that countercultural marker of long hair. That it now seems like a historical time capsule and now feels emblematic of the 60s, especially New York. And I will give a, an honorable mention to Hairspray, which is very similarly themed and also portrays a very specific era and it's great. I love hairspray. Nice. And at the end of hairspray, they like introduce the flat iron and they start to iron their hairs out instead of using the big bouffants with like all the hairspray. And that's the beginnings of the 70s. <laughs> Truly, it's great. I love it so much. Everyone raise their hair straightener to the sky <laughs> and hark and, and thank goodness for the invention of the hair straightener so that we don't have to burn our scalps off with an iron. Fair. <laughs> Next up is Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot is based around the coal miners' strikes in 1984 in Durham County in the UK. This is the backdrop for a story about a young boy who takes up ballet, which isn't considered acceptable by his family or community. It is expected for him to box. Yeah, fun fact about this musical, my mom showed it to uh, me and my brothers when we were, like the film version, when we were young to try and convince us to do dance. I uh, wasn't, wasn't picking up what she was putting down. That's definitely one that is on my list to see. I've heard very good things about it. 
Our, our last musical in this section is Annie, which, uh, while fictional, does end with Annie inspiring Herbert Hoover to create the New Deal, which helped end the Great Depression. Uh, think of this song. We'd like to thank you, Herbert Hoover. I think Annie's really interesting, too, just in general, because it, it's set during the Great Depression, and it's about an orphan child who then, like, through charm and wit, finds her way into the heart of who would become her parent, Daddy Warbucks. And she is lifted from poverty based on like the merit of her character. So I think it really, I think it very closely follows that very American ideal of like the American dream. And I think, I don't know, I think it's interesting because it kind of plays into what we were talking about with Oklahoma, kind of like the rose tinted glasses versions of history. Um, And I mean, you're going to a musical typically, unless it's like Les Mis or something, right? Which is sad. Um, people are going to be like entertained. Um, so maybe they, they're not going to give you like a big diatribe about like why the American dream perhaps might be a lie. But I think, I don't know. Speaking of lame meds, that brings us into our next category. <laughs> Musicals about specific events. Like sadness. Specific events. <laughs> so Keely, because you're the expert, tell me about mm. lame meds. Yep. What's it all about? Teach us, Keely. So Les Mis is actually not about the French Revolution, as many people think, unless by the French Revolution you mean the far more obscure and less influential June Rebellion of 1832, in which case you would be right, and congratulations, good for you. It's based on a novel by Victor Hugo, which was then adapted as a musical and then adapted as a movie. Uh, full disclosure, I have not seen the movie, but I did see a lot of like trailers and it was like up for Oscars that year. Victor Hugo's novel, Les Mis, focused a lot more on the themes of intense poverty and suffering in France in the early 19th century and the political ideologies of republicanism and anti-monarchism in an industrializing and modernizing Paris. The musical's version focuses a lot more on personal tragedy, with general societal tragedy and poverty as its backdrop, but it also involves a lot of love, so there's a lot of love in both of them, and also heartbreaking sob to yourself in the dark in the theater sadness. It is because the musical version focuses far less on political and historical context that the audience often has no idea which specific event it is focused on besides just some sort of an uprising in Paris, which does cause some confusion. So it's really no wonder that most people do think it takes place in the French Revolution of 1789. So even though it's accurate in terms of portraying 1830s Paris, it kind of fails, or some might argue that it fails, as a historical musical in that it doesn't actually teach the audience about the historical time period which it's portraying and therefore you know it's i don't know it's, it's difficult right because you you're you know that it's placed at a time in the past but it isn't really trying to teach you too much about that time period yeah and i think it doesn't help that the the main audience obviously the the movies in english all the actors are english mm-hmm. uh, most people when they think of france and the revolution they just think of the french revolution you know, that I don't think it's necessarily common knowledge that France had a number of different republics yeah. um, and a, a bunch of different rebellions and uprisings that were negotiated over the course of the 19th and 20th centuries. So when people, your average doe maybe might just see French Revolution to think that's the one. Yeah, yeah. which is interesting because, I mean, it, it follows that Victor Hugo probably didn't consider what his audiences hundreds of years in the future would be considering or associating with that kind of... Um, portrayal and which revolution they would instantly think of because when you're in the present it's really difficult to know how something's going to be remembered Mm. and which pieces are going to be more important than others especially when there's such a time of uprising and upheaval but 
you know, it is interesting that in portraying it and adapting it for a musical that no one really took to trying to like bring that out a little bit more or that, that just wasn't a choice or a decision that seems to have been really focused on. Maybe it would have been an interesting one to like add something in mm. about that contextually. I don't know. Mm. Maybe it just would have made the, the whole thing more confusing for people because they have to explain an entire separate event. Whereas if they skate over it, they'll just have everyone focus on the, the bits they want them to focus on. That's true. Our research team did want us to say that still the music is amazing and incredibly moving. And the recent film adaptation is beautifully done. If you can ignore Russell Crowe's painful uh, attempts at singing. Uh, so this is really not a criticism of the musical itself, but just one way in which it was adapted and uh, an interesting way to think about what themes they chose to highlight. Taking creative liberties. That's that whole idea of like narrative and performance though, right? That everything mm. is an interpretation. And quite literally, a lot of these musicals are based off of um, source material, usually a novel. And by putting it onto stage and adapting it, you're making decisions. You're making decisions about what you have to include and what you can't and what you're going to exclude. If you're going to add something to it. But the very idea of writing songs, you're you're changing it and you're interpreting it a certain way. So it makes sense that there are all of these things that are being perhaps lost or maybe being added in and um, new interpretations that are being given to it that may not have necessarily been the author's intent of the original material. Next up, Newsies. <laughs> Do I sound showtimey enough? Am I, I think so. Am I really selling it? I think every time you get progressively less hockey and more showtimey, yeah. and I'm loving it. Uh, you know what? I think Newsies really fits our theme mm. of me being uh, mm. showmanshipy mm. here because mm -hmm. maybe uh, if I lived in New York in 1899, I would be hawking newspapers. So... In 1899, during the Newsboys strike in New York City, Newsboys had to buy bundles of 100 papers from newspapers and then sell the individual papers from those bundles. So it could be really difficult for them to make a profit. And that is kind of the basis of Newsies. In 1898, with the Spanish-American War, many newspapers raised their prices per bundle of 100 papers for the Newsboys from 50 cents to 60 cents, which caused lots of strife for the Newsboys. After the war, in 1899, many newspapers dropped their prices again, but some, those owned by William Randolph Hearst and Joseph Pulitzer, did not. In reaction, the newsboys organized and went on strike against Hearst and Pulitzer's newspapers, which were The World and The Journal. And after two weeks of striking, including stopping traffic on the Brooklyn Bridge, they won. They did have a legacy. While there wasn't any immediate impact, um, in terms of improving child labor laws in the U.S., it did inspire other newsboy strikes elsewhere. Bizarrely, this pro-union anti-capitalist message was brought to you by the Walt Disney Corporation. Hmm. Seems like a real left turn for them. <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the 1992 musical stars a young Christian Bale who has an interesting interpretation of singing and dancing, but struggles through the musical and you know grit and determination is important which i'm sure is a lesson he learned from the newsboys themselves if you take away anything from this if you're good looking enough you can you can get into musical the singing doesn't really matter mm, it's a story it's the story <laughs> it's the, the love that binds us indeed in terms of historical accuracy in newsies there definitely was a newsboy strike and they were striking against Hertz and Pulitzer, which is portrayed accurately in the movie. But most likely, Teddy Roosevelt did not in fact come down and help them win the strike. 
as it is portrayed in the musical. So it's certainly not totally historically accurate, but it is a lot of fun. And still a lot that can be learned from it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Just, you know, a, a pinch of salt. Jumping ahead 100 years takes us to a more recent critically acclaimed musical, Come From Away. This 2017 musical is about the Newfoundland community of Gander, when um, on September 11th, 2001, 38 planes were diverted there, and the community took care of the people. So more recent history, but history nonetheless, and certainly an important occasion. An, an important, if not the most important event in the, the 21st century. Part of why this is such an inspirational musical is because it depicts like the decency of humanity amidst a really horrific and terrible time. Um, it shows that, you know, that bright spark of human spirit that can't be snuffed out. And I feel like that's something that is inherently in most musicals, right? It's like... Perseverance. Perseverance. And also all of these trying times that are being portrayed, or even if it's like a fun, happy musical in general, it's all about kind of celebrating in a way, even when it's unhappy. So I think it's a it's the perfect medium for it. And I yes. mean, there's something to as well in the fact that they're often historical events or they're set in historical time periods because it's kind of showing that that's something that is part of humanity, that it's woven throughout our history, regardless of the time, but that, you know, there is that perseverance, there's that element to humanity that binds us together, that relates us to the past and relates us to the present. It's it's there, it's woven throughout everything. And so, you know, even though we weren't necessarily in the French Revolution, we can relate to some of those things that are happening back then. But what about the bright sparks of individuals' lives? Let's let's drift into our next category of biographies. Nice. That one was like a lot more like ja- yeah, jazzy. Yeah. Very peppy. There I like go. that one. There we go. <laughs> we're really we're really showing my range. Yeah. <laughs> this is our, this is also your um your audition tape. Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. Our first musical is Avida. Nice. Oh. Living a vida loca. <laughs> I don't know the song now. I can't remember what is it. Evita. Nice. So apart from having a very famous uh, song, which what is what is the name of that song? Um, Don't cry for me, Argentina. Yeah. I think be. so. It must be called that. I'm sure <laughs> that's the only part that I know. It, this is a musical from 1978, and it's the biography of Eva Perón, the first lady of Argentina, second wife of Juan Perón. It focuses on her life from 1934, when she was aged 15, to her death in 1952. Next, Alexander Hamilton. So Hamilton fits into many of the categories that we've discussed, and it really stands apart because while it is a biography, it also does a lot to include specific details about events. It's also connected to social change by always having the cast played by non-white members, except for one who is played by a Caucasian male. The play debuted in New York City in January of 2015 and tells the story of Alexander Hamilton's life in two acts, along with how various historical characters influence his life. It also covers various real-life events, including the New York and New Jersey campaign, the Battle of Yorktown, the presidential election of 1800, and more broadly, the aftermath of the American Revolution. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because it also perpetuates a lot of the American myths about the, about the revolution. Uh, maybe ways that we wouldn't learn about it here in Canada, but certainly ideas like King George the Third being the Mad King. Also, that's, played that's that's the character that's played by the white guy. There you go, all ties together. But he was never he was wasn't mad till after eighteen ten mm. with prophyria. It's a blood disease that makes your pee purple. Ew. Yeah. Right. So if your pee's purple, 
look out. Bad news. And you're only in bouts of madness. It's not all the time. So, I mean, like, he understood their constitution better than anyone else. Ew. And then you have the Americans just slagging him off. And then, uh, you know, we get this musical where he continues to get a bad rap that's undeserved. Stand up for George III. Someone's yeah. got to do it. <laughs> Pull out my soapbox. <laughs> Angry man yells at Cloud. <laughs> but I mean, to, to that criticism, isn't aren't many of these musicals products of you know propagating myths or or they're, musicals are usually trying to teach something. Usually, there's something that is to be taken from them. And so, whether or not it's about a very specific historical event or not, like there. There is a point to it. There is a purpose to why you're there paying a lot of money, especially in the case of Hamilton tickets, uh, to see this performance. It's not just because of the music itself and the cast, but usually it's because the story somehow has some kind of moral to it. Yeah. But uh, interesting in the case of Hamilton, it actually has received little criticism about its historical accuracy. Um, the portrayal of Alexander Hamilton himself has often been left off of these, uh, what, it, what it has received. Um, but Professor Sean Wilentz at Princeton said that, quote, Alexander Hamilton was more of a man for the 1% than the 99% as he's portrayed in the musical. Hmm. There's also a large emphasis on Alexander Hamilton being greatly against slavery in the musical. And while Hamilton did publicly criticize Jefferson's views on the biological inferiority of blacks, during his political career, he took very little action against slavery. I do think it's important for us to point out, however, that this portrayal, the one that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote, is actually based off of a book, a biography on Alexander Hamilton. And so I don't know how much of these inaccuracies were necessarily ones that Lin-Manuel Miranda was cognizant of versus ones that were written in perhaps a not super well-researched or well-written book. Um, so I think that's important to note because he read, Ham he read Hamilton in an airport, I believe, and then began to just like riff and write. And that's how this musical was born, which is really interesting. And the idea of trying to take a historical book and then put that into uh, a musical when it's not, you know, a novel is very interesting. I, I really love that concept. Um, but yes, we have to be careful about our sources. And Miranda isn't a historian, so I don't really think we can necessarily fault him for that. But it is interesting mm -hmm. to then consider maybe the criticism that the book, the source material has has had. Yeah. In like the peer community, right? Yeah, and I guess it's um, sort of eye-opening to think about the relationship between what we would consider regular historical research and the creative process. So this is something that clearly just inspired him and he started writing immediately. So at what point would you want to, or how would you even fact check some of the things where you're like, well, I've already written it. Like a musical isn't like a historical document, right? Like exactly. you're, you're not producing information or presenting information the same way you would be in some other format. Musicals and other interpretations of history that are creative, it's an expression of the writer's personal relationship with that event or person or time period. So I think, I don't think we can hold it to the same academic standard. I was going to say, and also with something like a musical, it's, it's popular entertainment. It mm -hmm. needs to be entertaining. It needs to have drama. It needs to have, uh, you know, a hero, a plot, these mm -hmm. sort of things that might get in the way of finding that historical accuracy and finding that balance. Other musicals that deal with tumultuous time periods and social change are Rent, South Pacific, and Hairspray, 
Although there are many musicals that deal with social change, these are the three that we've kind of picked to touch on real quickly. South Pacific is a 1949 musical and 1958 movie by Rodgers and Hammerstein set in the Second World War. It has an overarching theme of racial inclusion, and the main plot deals with a nurse learning to accept her love interest's mixed-race children, while another plot involves the romance between a white American soldier and a Tonkinese woman. Rent is a 1996 musical loosely based on Puccini's opera La Boheme, but the set of the 1840 Latin Quarter of Paris is traded for a modern 1980s East Village of New York City. The musical replaces some of the issues from the opera, for example, replacing tuberculosis with the HIV and AIDS crisis. Rent was considered groundbreaking at the time because of its representation of HIV-positive individuals and the LBGTQ2 community. Also on our list, Hairspray, which I've touched on already, is based on the 1988 film, and it tells the story of Tracy Turnblad, an overweight white schoolgirl living in Baltimore in the 1960s. We see this musical in the context of urban America just before the passing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and it includes an entire song taking place during a civil rights march. Unfortunately, the narrative is told through the eyes of a white person, um, but the musical does delve into pretty heavy themes, including racism and body shaming. So, I mean, it does focus on those attitudes associated with racism instead of historical events, um, but it does touch on a bit of the civil rights movement itself. And it really does emphasize the power that we have to change discrimination ourselves. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting movie and musical. Now, this is just a sample of different musicals that deal with different historical themes. Obviously, we could not touch on every single musical that has ever been written and performed and sung and subsequently made into a movie, a t-shirt, and a CD, and a poster. We couldn't even feature all of the musicals by Rodgers and Hammerstein. No, we couldn't. Or by Andrew Lloyd Webber. There's too many out there. There's too many good examples with so many different historical nuggets of either truth or near truth. Truth myth, adjacent, you know, or myth, myth? Myth is important. Myth it, is important. So although we couldn't go through all of the musicals that definitely incorporate some aspect or element of history within them, whether intentional or thematically relevant or not, we do hope that we were able to bring to light some interesting concepts or maybe some musicals that you haven't thought about in a while or aspects of musicals that you love but didn't consider prior to this. You know, history, as we always say, is all around us. And sometimes it's easy to pass it by when there's a really catchy show tune that's taken you on an adventure. But it's something to still consider even when we're enjoying or crying through Les Mis. So, so long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, goodnight. Adieu. Notice History is a No History podcast. We are produced by Emily Cuggy and myself, Robin Mullins. This week's researchers were Anna Kuntz, Beth Solis, Jennifer Bate, Nick Johnston, Alice Glaze, and Samantha Clark, with audio editing by Emily Cuggy. For more information about the topics we covered today, check out our blog at nohistory.ca slash podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us, email us at podcast at nohistory.ca or reach us on social media at Notice History. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.